Chapter 10 of The Tickencote Treasure by William Lequeux. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 10 The Guardian of the Secret. I had some tea at the plough with fresh butter and cream, which, after those weeks on board the thrush, were delicious. Much gratified that I had at last discovered the house of the noble freebooter, I set to work to make inquiries regarding the family of Nutton, the hereditary guardians of the treasure, and of the descendants of Clement Wallerton, who, it appeared, had been Bartholomew's lieutenant, and whose skeleton I had most probably seen on board the seahorse. The innkeeper's sister was still communicative, so I asked her if she knew anyone of either name in the village. No, sir, I don't know anyone of such a name in Caldecott, she answered, after reflecting a few moments. There's old Ben Nutton, who lives in Rockingham. What kind of a man is he? Well, his character's not of the best, she answered. He's a laboring man, but he's lazy good-for-nothing old fellow who frequents every inn in the district. Married? No, a widower. He lives in a cottage close to the Sond Arms in the main street of Rockingham. The description she gave was certainly not that of the hereditary guardian of the Italian noble's treasure. Nevertheless, as he was the only person of that name in the district, I decided to walk back past the station and on to Rockingham, a distance of about a mile, and make his acquaintance. It was a lovely summer's evening and the walk through the cornfields was delightful, although my head was filled with a strange old-world romance which within the past few weeks had been revealed to me. The main point which occupied my attention was whether the treasure was still hidden, or had it ever been hidden, in that tumble-down old manor house. In order to make secret investigation, it would be necessary to rent the place and carefully search every hole and corner. Some of those paneled, low-ceiling rooms above were, to me, attractive. A good deal might be hidden there, or in the roof. After some inquiries, I found the man Nutton's cottage, small, poorly furnished, close-smelling, and not overly clean. A slatternly girl of fourteen called, Uncle, you're wanted, and a gruff voice responded from the upstairs room. He came heavily down the narrow, uncarpeted stairs a rough-looking type of agricultural laborer in drab moleskin. His age was about sixty-five, with beery face, gray eyes, round-shouldered, and wearing his trousers tied beneath the knee, and boots that had never known blacking. "'Your name's Ben Nutton, isn't it?' I asked. "'Yes, sir, that's my name.' "'Well, Mr. Nutton,' I said, "'I want to have a few minutes' chat with you alone.' I noticed that he looked somewhat aghast. Afterwards, I learnt that he was an expert poacher, and he probably believed me to be a detective. Through a decade or so, he had had a good deal of the Marquis of Exeter's and Mr. Watson's game, and the major part of it had found its way by an irregular route to Northampton Market. He first went very red, then white, his hand trembled, and he had to steady himself for a moment. "'Just go out for a minute or two, Annie,' he said to his niece. I want to speak to this gentleman. Take a seat, sir. He pulled forward one of the rush-bottom chairs from beside the rickety old bureau. Don't think, Mr. Nutton, that I've come here with any hostile intent, I said, in order to reassure him. I've come to Rockingham expressly to ask you one or two questions regarding your family. I am making some investigations about the Nuttons, and perhaps you can assist me. 
have you any brothers or sisters living no sir i haven't my brother dick died ten years ago dick then that man's name was richard nutton did he leave any sons i inquired only one young dick he enlisted and was killed in afghanistan he enlisted after his father's death yes sir he answered more at ease your family is a very old one in the neighborhood isn't it one of the oldest they says the nuttons lived at the manor farm up at caldicott for more than a hundred years but we've come down in the world since then the manor farm is the one attached to the manor of caldicott eh it's close to the caldicott manor house there's a fifteen hundred acres of land with it and nowadays sir i often work on that self-same land for mr banks what owns it now are you the oldest of your family no sir dick was i was second dick was the lucky un and was old mr banks foreman for years that was in the present mr banks father's time when farming was a lot better than what it is now lor sir in this district three-quarters of the farms scarcely pay their rents all the landlords ought to be generous like the duke of bedford but they ain't and we laborers have to suffer <laughs> more work and less beer i remarked with a laugh well sir when you mention beer i'd be pleased to drink a pint at your expense a remark which showed the rustic cadger and so you shall when we've finished our talk i said tell me have you ever heard or known of any person called wallerton wallerton he repeated why now that i remember that's the very question the gentleman asked me the day before yesterday what gentleman i gasped a gentleman i met in the son de arms he said he knew me but i didn't remember ever having set eyes on him before he treated me and then asked me a whole lot of questions some of em very similar to what you've asked me i don't understand what he or you begging your pardon sir are driving at but this person who was so inquisitive what kind of a man was he a middle-aged gentleman from london he stayed the night at the son de arms and left in the morning he was a tall fair man and funnily enough seemed he'd know a lot about my relations you didn't know his name no he didn't tell me this fact was certainly strange was it possible that some other person was in possession of the secret of the hoard and had forestalled me in making inquiries this beery laborer seemed without doubt a descendant of the richard nutton whose signature was written upon the faded parchment as guardians of the treasure the nuttons had apparently been given the manor farm in order to be constantly near the spot where the spoils of war were concealed their residence at the farm through generations appeared to show that instructions had passed from father to son and had until seventy years ago been strictly observed then the family had fallen upon evil times and the descendants had degenerated into laborers the youngest enlisting as a private soldier i suppose you told this gentleman you met all about your family just as you've told me eh pretty well the same story what else did he ask you well he wanted to know one or two rather queer things about my family history things i'd never heard nothing about my father always did used to say that we were entitled to a big fortune and he'd heard it from his father only that fortune ain't come and i don't suppose it ever will but both you gentlemen coming to me and asking some same questions has aroused my curiosity ah i said 
Fortunes that are talked of in families are usually phantom ones. Why, there's scarcely a family in England who don't believe that they've been done out of their rightful inheritance. I know that, sir. I could name twenty people in Rockingham who believe themselves the rightful heirs to property. That's why I never believed the story about our fortune. My poor old father had to go on the parish before he died. A shilling a week and two loaves. So the idea of the fortune didn't benefit him much. But what was the story which your father told you? I inquired. Oh, it was quite a romance. Half the people in Rockingham knew about it. Because the old man used to get a drop of beer, he always boasted of the great wealth that would be his some day. But what was the story? Tell it to me as nearly as you can remember it. Well, he used to say that long ago, hundreds of years, I think, the Nuttons were rich, but one son turned an adventurer and accumulated a big treasure of gold and silver. This he hid away very carefully, because in those times there was no banks and places like there is now. But he left the secret in the hands of the head of the family, to be handed down for a certain number of years. Then has it come down to you? I asked quickly. Oh, sir, I only wish it had, he laughed. Although a hard drinker, as I could tell from his puffed cheeks and unsteady hand, I was fortunate in finding him on that occasion quite sober. Perhaps the term of years ended and the fortune was realized, I suggested, for to me it seemed more than probable that the secret of the hiding place had been discovered long ago. No, sir, I think not, was the old man's prompt reply. If it had, we should all have been in a better position. No, I believe the whole thing is a fable, as everyone has declared it to be. Why, here in Rockingham, they used to call my father Secret Sammy, because when he was drunk, he always spoke mysteriously of what he called the secret. Have you any idea of the reason your family left the manor farm? Owing to several bad seasons on top of each other. They were ruined like hundreds of others. I've heard say that the last of the Nuttons who had the place used very often to go up to London by the coach, and he was fond of gambling. That was what really ruined him. Do you know anything about the manor house? Who lived there when you were a boy? Why, that's one of the questions a stranger asked me in the Sunday Arms, he exclaimed. Very curious, certainly, I thought. Who could possibly be aware of the secret given up by the sea except myself, Mr. Stafford, and Job Seal? And you told him, I suppose. I told him that old Squire Blacker lived there with his wife and two daughters from my early recollection. They all died except the older daughter who didn't marry and lived there for over twenty years, an old maid. When she died, the place was bought by a Jew living in Ireland, and there's been lots of tenants since. They never stay long because of the damp and the rats. I worked there seven years ago, helping to do a drain, and the rats were something awful. I never saw such monsters in all my life. Young Jack Sharp's terrier killed nearly a couple of hundred of them in one day. The stackyard is so close, you see. As far as you know, your family has never had any connection with the manor itself? I never heard it, he replied. We were at the manor farm for generations, as I've told you, but never at the manor house. And you don't believe the story about the fortune awaiting you somewhere? Well, sir, I wish I could believe it, was the old man's answer. We've been awaiting it for long enough, ain't we? I laughed as though I shared his view with regard to the legend. 
At that juncture, it was not my intention to tell him the object of my inquiries, and when he pressed me, I turned the conversation into a different channel. As I had promised, I went with him across to the Sonde Arms and regaled him with beer. Then, when he saw the tangible reward for his communicativeness, he endeavored to assist me further. I say, Mrs. What was the name of that there gentleman who stayed ere the night before last? You know, the gentleman who talked such a lot to me in yon little parlor. Oh, he gave his name as Purvis. Charles Purvis of London is what he wrote in the book, answered the landlady. But I think you were a fool, Ben, a big fool. I didn't like the man at all. He wanted to know too much about everybody's business. Yes, he was a bit curious, like, and the old man glanced meaningly at me. But why was I a fool, missus? Why, to sell him that old bit of parchment. If nobody could make it out in Rockingham, there were lots of people up in London who could have read it. Perhaps it has to do with your fortune. You don't know. What? I cried, starting to my feet. Did you sell the stranger a parchment? What kind was it? It looked like a deed or something of the sort, explained the landlady, and it's been in Ben's family for years and years, they say. Young Dick gave it to me afore he went a soldierin'. His father had given it to him, telling him to be sure and not part with it, so he gave it to me for fear he might lose it. It had a yellow seal a-hangin' to it, and a whole lot of scrawly signatures. I showed it to a lot of people, but nobody could make head or tail out of it. And you sold it the night before last? I cried in utter dismay. What was the good of keeping it? A stranger offered me half a sovereign for it, and I wasn't the one to refuse that for a bit of dirty old parchment when nobody could read. End of chapter 10